Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Well, you can tell by the way I use my walk, I'm a warmest man. No time to talk. Music now, and warm and warm. I've been kicked around since I was born. I was down there. Okay, you may look the other way. We can try to understand the New York Times effect on men. Whether you're a brother or whether you're your mother, you're staying alive. Staying alive. Staying alive. Staying alive. Pump, pump, pump. Uh, 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 uh. Staying alive. Staying alive. Josh made a good point about this song before we started singing it. Yeah, it's the CPR song. So, uh, yeah, we learned this in school. My girlfriend's a nurse, and she says they totally use it, which is just to the beat of uh, 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 uh. Staying alive. Staying alive. That's actually the beat you keep when you're giving CPR somebody, when you're doing chest compressions. I was thinking about that, um, I don't know, probably like a year ago, and I was like, man, but what if... What if you're just so nervous about giving CPR? You're like, oh, 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 stay alive, stay alive, stay alive. <laughs> Keep that tempo back. Yeah, yeah don't. Don't, yeah. don't go too fast. How's it going, everybody? You are listening and watching the Command Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. And today we are going to be talking about, uh, it's a new sort of episode uh, archetype. It's about evaluating new mechanics. Yeah, this is really cool because we've got E3 Volt coming out and... Jimmy had this idea that when new sets come out and there's new mechanics inevitably that are released, each time you sort of have to figure out how to incorporate those mechanics into your decks and what other mechanics and cards from the past they work with. And there's a whole process uh, that we go through and and everybody has to go through. So Mm -hmm. it was really interesting to think about this and it opened a lot of doorways where I was like, oh man, yeah, this is really... Yeah, and if you guys read like Mark Rosewater's articles, they very often say that they based a new mechanic on something that happened in the past, and the design space for Magic is limited. They can't, you know, eventually, like any game, they're going to run out of new ideas. So obviously, a lot of old ideas are inherited from new ones, and vice. Uh, new ones are inherited from old ones. So we're going to talk a lot about that. But before we get into it, this show is brought to you by the one and only CardKingdom.com. That's right. You guys can go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone, and that's where you can purchase all your singles. Maybe we're going to inspire you to buy a few on this episode. Yeah, some definitely some older cards, but some newer cards too. And E3 Volt is out. You can be ordering it on Card Kingdom, and you can have it on your doorstep super fast before you can even blink. Yeah, cardkingdom.com slash command zone. This show is also brought to you by our wonderful patrons at patreon.com slash, you guessed it, command zone. 
Thank you guys so much, by the way. You are the lifeblood of the show right now. We have so many different projects going on. Josh is editing his butt off, and the money that we get from Patreon actually makes this a livable, workable thing at the moment. Yeah, it's really, really a big deal, and it's super exciting. And also, there's a couple things going on with Patreon. Uh, if you're a patron, get on that Discord server. We're on there a lot. It's fun to talk to everybody, and we get to give little sneak peeks of the stuff we're working on, like the next Game Nights video, which mm -hmm. is in the works. Um, also, we have committed to calling out one patron every single episode. So this episode is dedicated to Joseph Timbery. Ding, 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 Joseph, ding. thank you so much for supporting the show. Thank you, Joseph. Joseph, so, something that uh, I wanted to talk about the patron really quick is that at the very top level that we have available, which is the $10 level, we have guaranteed that you're going to get a hold of the very per first piece of merchandise that we ever produce. Well, I'm here to say we've been hard at work on that merchandise. It's looking like it's probably going to be a play mat. Mm -hmm. We don't want to release a lot of details yet because we've never done merch before, so we don't know exactly how it's going to be released. But it will be available for sure to the patrons first, and then there's a decent chance that there'll be some limited quantity available to people who aren't patrons after that. We've Again, we've never done it before. We don't know how many order. We don't know what the process is going to be exactly. But if you are interested in Command Zone merchandise, specifically a play mat, in the near future, become then, a patron. Then the patrons, uh, the best place to go because I we can't guarantee at this moment that it'll 100% be available to people who aren't. It probably will in some respect, but it'll be limited. Is my guess. Yeah, 100%. All and right, it, and it looks sweet. By it way. looks really sweet. Yeah, yeah the, the what we got going is gonna be good. Okay, before we get into our main topic today, there was actually a very important press release from the new CEO of Wizards of the Coast, uh, Chris Cox. Uh, joined the company, I believe, last yeah, year. Yeah, late last year, I'd say, yeah. or middle of last year. Um, and uh, it's very interesting. They're, it's called Making Moves. You see this a lot in companies, too, which is a new CEO will come on, and then after a few months, definitely at the start of the year like this, you'll start seeing changes because there's a reason that new CEOs come into companies, and it's usually to start you know, changing the direction or mm -hmm. altering what they're doing. Um, and this is, no, this is no small thing. Now, you have to read between the lines a little bit. So Making Moves was the name of the article. We'll link it in the show notes. We're not going to read the whole thing. There were kind of three main points to the article. The first main point is, quote, we are reimagining digital versions of Magic and other Wizards games. So they have created a new digital game studio, uh, and it's headed up by a... Of uh, a person, Jeffrey Stiefel, who uh, is this guy from Direwolf and a bunch of other places. Um, the important thing is that Magic Online is now part of this group. It's they're basically saying they're gonna be making changes to Magic and the digital versions of it in a big way. Yeah, they created a new design studio. So that says to me, and again, we don't know anything. We're just reading mm -hmm. between the lines that there's a new product. There's all there's been a lot of talk over the last year and a half or two years about Magic Digital Next, which is not always connected to Magic Online. It might. It's probably something that's not Magic Online. It's probably another product. Mm -hmm. um, will there be some sort of connection between Magic Online and whatever the next digital next product is? Possibly, possibly not. We don't know. Again, will you be able to port over your collections? We don't know. Um, it's all up in the air at this point, but what Chris Cox is saying is that there. This is this is the first point in their article, so it's probably the main point of emphasis, and and, and really makes sense. Like. If there's one thing Magic has to worry about moving into the future, it's the fact that their online offering is so poor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's actually good news. Uh, again, we don't know what it entails. Their second point, quote, we will bring our character and worlds to other games and experiences, end quote. Hmm. So this is a, 
This is an interesting one. Um, so they, they, he literally in the article mentions, wouldn't it be cool to be playing a planeswalker in an MMO? Or quest for treasure in a D&D augmented reality game? Yeah. Um, in both this point and the first point, they name drop a bunch of like studios and names like Leapfrog Studios and... Microsoft, Microsoft, EA, THQ. Yeah, and games like blah, blah, blah. And yeah, David Schwartz is the guy they've hired to, uh, to lead this, and he's worked at all these companies, I guess, or for them at least at some point. Yeah, so, and, and another thing they say is exploring partnerships and collaborations to bring Magic and D&D to unexpected settings, genres, and platforms. Uh, this feels to me like they're going to just open up their license to mm-hmm. other third parties to, like, create things for... Look at what Star Wars does. So yeah. Star Wars yeah. has fantasy flight games, makes a ton of stuff for it. Other companies make board games for it. Other companies do toys for it. Basically says, look, we want our brand to expand. This is probably what they're going to be doing here. And Dungeons and Dragons is a huge universe. There's been talk of having like a magic themed Dungeons and Dragons set, like Innistrad, playing a and d Innistrad. I think that's actually a thing you can do. So that's sort of the, the realm of things they're going for there, I think. Yeah, so this is just an announcement that they're looking into stuff like that. The MMO thing, I really hope they don't do that. That's just a money <laughs> thing. Nobody does that anymore, right? It's not the early 2000s. Guess what? The only MMO that succeeded after World of Warcraft was none. That was it. <laughs> I mean, let's just ask Kurt Schilling if it's a good idea to yeah. be putting hundreds of millions do- of dollars into an MMO. Look, the same thing happened with Magic. How many paper card games succeeded after Magic the Gathering? Very few. I would say zero, honestly. Well, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh. Okay, fine. Yeah, maybe two. But again, they were they had pre-existing and cartoons if, if and people remember, right after Magic came out in the next few years, there was a slew of them. There was a Star Trek game. There was a Star Wars game. Mm-hmm. There was Lord of the Rings. There was uh, World of Warcraft. There was tons yeah. that lasted for a little while, but then eventually died. Yeah, MMO, man. I don't know. That's I wouldn't go near market. it. Yeah, I wouldn't exactly. go near it. All right. Uh, third point, quote, we will make your wizard's experiences more efficient, connected, and convenient, end quote. So this is an interesting one. They said they are revamping the technology team and they're working on connecting in-store and online interactions to be more cohesive. Uh, I don't know what that means. They, they mentioned, um, you know, all the way down to like when you're getting pairings at a tournament and things like that. So, yeah, yeah, I, I don't I don't I don't know. Maybe this is just a revamp of their tournament. Um, it software could, it because could be, that thing sucks. Yeah, it could it could even be like, look, uh, the next t- you'll have a better way to check your planeswalker points. Uh, you'll have like a, a username and a system that isn't like you know your your moto name is different than your your DCI. You know, it's finding a way to connect all this stuff. It, basically, what Chris Cox has identified are three things. I guess two things importantly. There is a big divide between sort of their digital and their paper formats and there's a lot of disconnect there's a lot of it feels like old technology and it, a lot of it needs to i think get scraped out replaced you can't put a bandage on a broken bone you got to break it and remend it so i think that's what they're doing here yeah i think overall this is smart this is something magic absolutely has to do if you're from my generation which it was around before the internet happened we've basically seen the internet and digital devour every single thing in its path in the last like 20, 25 years, this is going to be, yeah, this is going to be no different. I mean, it devoured things you never thought it could devour, like brick and mortar stores and things like that, which you didn't think it was going to touch, but it totally Mm -hmm. did. The record business, the book business, you know, it digital devoured the film business and turned it over to digital. Um, There's there's a story I, I like to sort of relate about things like this, which is back in like around the time the refrigerator and the freezer were invented. At the time, what you had to do to keep your food cold was you had to use literal ice. And so there was an entire industry around getting ice to people and trucks that just basically delivered ice so people could keep their food cold. So when the refrigerator and the freezer get invented, 
what do the ice truck companies do? They invested in faster trucks because they thought, oh, we can, that's, you're never going to win that fight that way. You can't do it. And so Magic needs to think in the same way. They can't, they cannot win the fight by staying in paper 100%. They have to start to worry about digital, up their digital offerings, do things like interconnect the paper and the digital in the way that they're saying. So I think this is all good. It's forward thinking. It's a little bit scary, but at the same time, it just has to happen if we want the game to continue to be successful and thrive. Do you think we're going to have another Ice Age block then? <laughs> More snow-covered lands for me, please? Hey, man. Why not? Yeah, why not? All right. Well, let's move on to our main topic, which is evaluating new mechanics. So this is the beginning of a new series in that every single time a new set comes out, new mechanics appear. And uh, those mechanics often are ones that we always discuss at the beginning of our set review and it's basically a way to help you evaluate them and how to utilize the new mechanics and set and whether or not they're going to make it into your main deck as well. Um, so we're going to talk about a lot of the mechanics, how they're similar to things in the past, what cards and commanders they work well with, other cards that might synergize with them. And since Aether Revolt just came out, the Kaladesh block is now complete. So now we have a full view of what Kaladesh has to offer. We might do this set by set. We might do it uh, block by block. We'll see how long this episode goes and based on that. All right, so... We're going to go into each mechanic and talk about them in depth. Um, we'll start with the Fabricate mechanic. So this doesn't appear to be returning in E3 Volt, but it is from Kaladesh. Just to remind you, Fabricate is a choice that players make uh, when certain creatures enter the battlefield. And the choice, it'll have Fabricate and then a number. And so you either get whatever the number is, you choose to either put that many plus one plus one counters on the creature, or you get that many 1-1 one, one servo artifact creature tokens. You can't, if it has fabricate two, you can't go, oh, well, I want one plus mm -hmm. one plus one counter and one creature. No, yeah, it's, it's all or nothing. So I either get two counters on the creature or I get two tokens. Yep. Um, the notable cards from Kaladesh uh, that probably, are like Marionette Master is one we've talked about, Angel of Invention, Cultivator Blades. These are all pretty powerful cards with fabricate on them. Uh, the important thing about Fabricate is that it gives players a choice. It's something that they really want to express. You're an inventor on Kaladesh. But throughout Magic's history, there are a lot of other spells that give you choices. Those are modal spells. So they have a number of options. And while they say choose one or choose one or both, um, there's a lot of design space with modal spells. But more importantly, the, giving the player that choice is really important for Commander. It's between having a card that does one thing and a card that does two things and essentially can take the place of two cards, if that makes sense. So a card like Disallow... Uh, is a good example. Uh, Void Slime is a very... Um, these are modal cards, these not modal fabricate cards. cards. Um, or, or, or in this case, a card that gives you a choice. Uh, so Disallow is one blue-blue for an instance. It's count on target spell, activate ability, or triggered ability. This is the identical spell to Void Slime, which was a very popular uh, card for green-blue as a counter, and it's just better. But the idea is that, look, you get to choose one of these, and instead of having three spells that say counter-target spell, or counter-target activated ability, or counter-triggered ability, you have one that does all three. And that's very important for Commander. Yeah, we talk all the time about the versatility of modal spells. Um, or just choice. I love choices. <laughs> uh, go ahead. Yeah, there's a lot of cycles that have done this in the past. There's the Collective Cycle from Eldritch Moon. So uh, Collective Defiance, Collective Brutality. This um, one was kind of unique because there was a way to choose more than one mode on it, too, yeah. depending. So you could choose from three or four different things, but you could also sometimes choose two or all of them, depending on how many resources you had available. Yeah, this was the Escalate mechanic. So that's like a combination of paying more mana and a modal spell. Uh, the Charm Cycle, uh, there's two Charm Cycles. They're either like one mana and they're all really bad. 
Um, but notably, there's also the guild charms, Azorius charm, Boros charm, Demir, etc. And then we have the Khans and Dragon charms. The dragon ones are named after the original Elder Dragon Highlanders, I think. Or not the originals, uh, sort of like... The Elder Dragons. The Elder from- Dragons, yeah. Um, the Khans charms are the Abzan, Jeskai, Mardu, Teemer, and Soulside charms. And these are all, I guess, like, because they have so many abilities, Wizards can't overpower them. But at the same time, they can still be really good in the right deck. So... I think it's it's always good to look at these cards first if you're going to be in a, tr- a three-color pairing. Look at all the charms that fit in there and say, like, oh, this one works really well with my commander, or it doesn't. Uh, but it's a great way to be like, this is a very good use of one slot in my deck is by using one of these charms. Um, you also have the Confluence Cycle from Commander 2015, and Mystic Confluence is one of the best so counterspells good. Oh, ever man. made. You can triple Mana Leak some. You get to choose three things, and you can choose the same option three times. So you can triple that, Mana Leak That someone. was sort of the big uh, difference on these ones, is that you can cha- choose the same mode twice or more if yeah. you feel like it. Yeah. Um, you can draw three cards or bounce three, I think, creatures. Uh, yeah. So it's very powerful. Cryptic Command, one of Magic's most powerful counterspells ever printed, is a modal spell. Um, Triskaidekaphobia is technically a card that lets That's you choose. That's interesting. When I saw it on there, I was like, you can choose. Oh, yeah, you get to choose whether everybody yeah. loses a life or everybody gains a life. Uh, and there's also cards like Umazawa's Jite, which gives you a lot of activated abilities by removing one of the charge counters that gets put on it. So meld cards as well. Um, obviously, throughout history, there's a lot of stuff that, that does this sort of stuff. So let's talk about evaluating these new mechanics. Yeah, so evaluating Fabricate specifically... Um, we wanted to talk about, so you see a new mechanic, and what do you think about when you see the mechanic and, and if it'll be useful or how it will be useful to you? And in general, I sort of think about it in three different ways. One is, what type of commander will pair best with that mechanic? The other is, what old mechanics work with this new mechanic mm-hmm. well uh, or synergize with it? And then, what individual cards does the mechanic pair well with? Because, and I sort of look at it in that order because the commander I know I'm always going to have access to, so it's very important if that fabricate mechanic or whatever the new mechanic is works with my commander because I don't actually need a ton of other synergy in my deck because I know that I'll always have that one synergy available. It's not like randomness. I always will have my commander, so if I draw the fabricate card and it works well with it, that's great. The old mechanics that work with the new mechanic just tell me there's a lot of options. So if I find a, a mechanic that works really well with fabricate, like a mechanic from an old set... Well, I know there's probably a lot of cards with that old mechanic because they don't give mechanic names to stuff when then just print one card that does that, usually. So that just tells me, oh, there's going to be a lot of cross-synergy between these two mechanics. Mm-hmm. And the third one, the individual cards, is sort of the lowest on the rung, but it's still important. But these are the ones where like, oh, I can find this one card that's going to work with this mechanic. And so that one's a little touchier, I would say, because often you'll find that, yeah, I have a card and it will work really well with Fabricate, but it may not make it into my deck because I can't put enough Fabricate in my deck to make that card work. So that's sort of like I'll have a pile of cards a lot of times. And I'm like, well, if I can get to what I'd call critical mass of this, then this card goes in. But if I can't, then this card doesn't. So um, let's talk about it for Fabricate. Yeah. Commanders that this works well with, so uh, token decks, I think, enjoy Fabricate. It gives you the option to make tokens when you need them mm-hmm. uh, for cards like Prosh and Perforos. And uh, at the same time, it also gives you a bigger creature if you need that as well. Sometimes you just need something that can block something. <laughs> yeah, so obviously because Fabricate has the two aspects, it has either make a token or make or put plus one, plus one counters, it's going to work on either side of that. And if you put if you put a Fabricate creature in a deck that's a token deck, then you're you're saying, well, 90% of the time, I'm going to choose to make the tokens. Mm-hmm. And then if you put it in a deck 
that's deals with plus one plus one counters and likes those. So like Atraxa, original Marchesa, uh, the new Rishkar, uh, Rehan, the new partner commander. Mm -hmm. They all care about plus one plus one counters on creatures. Well, then you're putting a fabricate creature in and saying 90% of the time I'm going to put the one one counters on it. Um, but then there's, you know, and, and I'd say most people do this, right? This is not like groundbreaking. But yeah. then you need to think about like, okay, but what else does fabricate mean maybe that is beyond just those really sort of obvious interactions? And, and one I would say here is that, well, fabricate creatures have less power in the graveyard, in your hand, in your deck than they do when they're on the battlefield, right? Mm -hmm. So something like Alesha may want a fabricate creature because technically she can bring it back and then it gets the counters so she's bringing back a creature that's bigger than she's supposed to because Alesha only brings back a creature with power two or less. Mm -hmm. So uh, what's that? Angel of Invention. Yeah, Cultivator of Blades as well. Yeah. Um, so I think Marionette Master too yep. can all be brought back with Alesha even though one as soon as they come in, you can make Angel of Invention a 4-3 right. at that moment. Cultivator is green, so you can't, sorry. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, but that's a good point, yeah. And then you can either make it bigger or get a bunch of 1-1 one, one servos out of it. So there's a lot of value added in there. Right. I would probably argue that it's better to put a Fabricate card in a deck that likes plus one, plus one counters as opposed to a token deck. Just because sometimes I think the ability to make tokens out of nowhere and have more chump blockers is better than the ability to occasionally make a bigger creature in a sacrifice deck. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think that's a really good point and another thing to look at. And also, if there's a deck that you can think of that wants both of those things on the mechanic and fabricate, it, maybe it doesn't come up as often, but there are mechanics that come out where you're like, oh, the mechanic does something, two things, mm -hmm. and I have a deck that wants both those things. Then that's a really prime candidate for a mechanic that you're gonna, gonna want a lot of. Yeah, I think a deck like Gave slash Gave, uh, because he has plus and plus encounters on him, some people like to theme their deck that way. Other, other decks like to make it a token deck, so that's sort of the perfect balance, I think, between the two. We know that it's supposed to be Gave, but we call it Gave. It just sounds better. Because there is a word Gave. It's G-A-V-E. <laughs> it also has a meaning. It's I gave you something. Yeah. So I'm not calling him Gave. Yeah. Gave. He's giving you plus one, plus one counters into he tokens. He looks kind of tribal and cool. I want him to be Gave. Yeah. It's yeah. like Agave. Yeah. Also the G-H, right? Gah. 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 Gave. Not, yeah. not Gave. All right. Enough about that. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about some old mechanics maybe that work with this new mechanic. Um, one thing when I'm building a deck is I want to get at the... At, at first, I want like a big pile of cards. Mm -hmm. And then I want to sort of narrow from there. But if I am starting a deck and I have a deck idea and then all of a sudden I... Uh, you know, I, I get all my picks for what the deck might be, and it's it's 70 cards. Well, it's just not deep enough. Out of those 70 cards, I'm not going to be able to find enough good ones to make a good deck. Yep. So I want a big pile. Um, <laughs> the so, biggest. The biggest. So some uh, old mechanics that have a good chance to work with Fabricate. Metalcraft. Oh, Metalcraft is perfect for Fabricate, right? Each creature now becomes, you know, the ability to trigger Metalcraft, but this next one's even better, I think. Affinity. Oof. So both of these want a lot of artifacts to be out, Metalcraft and Affinity. Mm -hmm. And so because Fabricate creates 1-1 one, one artifact creature tokens, they count as artifacts, so you can get to Metalcraft faster. You can get your Affinity number up higher. Improvise uh, is a newer mechanic that correct. is very similar to Affinity in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, again, there were, I, I drafted Aether Revolt once, and I had a couple of improvised cards on the higher end. And as soon as I played a creature that could either give me a counter or anything, I was very happy because I was like, oh, cool. I just ramped myself by one mana because of this. Yeah, improvise. We'll go into deeper later, but it is a mechanic that's sort of like Convoke, but your artifacts can Convoke stuff out. Um, persist mm. is a good one because you're giving plus one, plus one counters to stuff. 
So if you can do stuff like Cauldron of Souls and things like that, you might be able to abuse the persist mechanic and the one-one counters in a way mm -hmm. that allow you to kind of keep creatures around a lot longer than they should. Um, blink and flicker effects. Now, this is not a mechanic, but it, it functions similar to a mechanic. Uh, because of Fabricate, creatures have entered the battlefield effects, and this is specifically more important if you're making tokens um, right. than a blink and flicker deck may, may look at fabricate as something it wants yeah unless you have a lot of things that are like transfer x plus one plus one counters to another creature or whatever and that a would be really good point so sort of reset your creatures that way yeah and there are a bunch of cards that say move a counter or take a plus one plus one counter off a creature and then do something mm -hmm. i think sage of fables i think is the one that you take a one one counter off and draw a card and mm -hmm. you can take a one one counter off any of your creatures so again fabricate might work in those decks again on the show i think you've probably noticed we don't like we we subscribe to the theory of um Give a man a fish, feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish, feed him for a lifetime. We don't like to say use this card. We like to say think about cards in this manner. Mm -hmm. Because for you and your own individuality and, and how you like to build your deck, that's where you take it and say, well, I'm choosing these cards over this. Um, but it's good to know, like, oh, the thought process behind thinking of what cards I'm going to use maybe uh, maybe is a way that I could level up. So, mm -hmm. And then the last category, what individual cards... Uh, pair well with mechanic. So remember, these are cards that pair well with Fabricate. That doesn't mean they're all great, but yep. if you've got a critical, critical mass of Fabricate or cards like it, you might be able to run some of these. Um, one I like is Ivory Tusk Fortress. Oh yeah, the Obzon guy, huh? Yeah, so this is a fairly newer card from Cons. New? New from Cons? I'm <laughs> old. Um, but this says, untap each creature you control with a 1-1 one, one, uh, counter on it during each other player's untap step. So hey. yeah, so all of a sudden you can sort of seedborn muse your one-one counter creatures. Yeah, very powerful ability. Um, and if you have seedborn muse in your deck too, then you have two ways of sort of getting at this if you're themed around that. Uh, and Ivory Tusk Fortress has this on there because Khan's also had the Outlast Lords, which are cards that would you can pay a mana at sorcery speed, tap the creature, add a plus one plus one counter on it, and uh, a lot of these would grant abilities. So for instance, Obzon Falconer, every creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on that has flying. So pretty powerful ability. Um, yeah, because you could have a bunch of creatures with Fabricate that you already played, and then you play the Abzan Falconer, and now they suddenly have flying, and you can do stuff that nobody saw coming. Mm -hmm. uh, Hardened Scales is one, because it basically get one extra 1-1 one -one counter. Parallel Lives doubles the amount of tokens you get, so that's great with the other end of yeah, Fabricate. Yeah, actually, there's a new card called Winding Constrictor oh, yeah, that yeah. came out in Aether Revolt, which loves getting counters placed um, either on you or a creature. It's, it's just, basically like Hardened Scales for the Fabricate. Yeah. Uh, uh, creatures primal vigor it affects everybody but because if you have a lot of fabricate it also works on your tokens and your plus one plus one counters so primal vigor is very good yeah um elite scale guard cathar's crusade these are all just excellent cards cathar's that... crusade to me is so good with fabricate because it works on both ends yeah it gives plus one plus one counters and it also every time a creature enters the battlefield so it's it's really going to work well. If your deck has Cather's Crusade, there's a decent chance that a Fabricate creature or two is something you want. Yeah, you get the best of both worlds. You get a creature with a plus one plus one counter, and you get another creature that gets a plus get, one plus one counter. And gives plus one plus one counters to everything yeah. else. Yeah. yeah um, animation good. modules, uh, a really good one, a oh, new one. Right. Yeah, this one, again, works with both ends. So every time you put a plus one plus one counter on something, you can activate animation module and make a token. By paying one mana. Yeah. Pretty good deal. Yep, so... Yeah, so that way you sort of get Fabricate on creatures. You get, like, the the option, like Cathar's Crusade, to put a plus and plus encounter and additionally get a servo from it. Yep. 
Uh, and it also fuels itself because you can tap three and, and tap it to give another counter to a target permanent or player. So you can just put another plus one plus one counter on something and then repeat it all over again. So one of the things I found interesting was the process by which when we were doing this sort of evaluation of the new mechanic that we decided to go about it. And there's basically like, there's a whole bunch of sites out there. There's two that I use primarily. I don't know if you're the same, but edhrec.com mm-hmm. and then Ga- the gatherer for wizards. Yeah. Um, I'll go to other places too, but those are sort of the two main ones. And so I found it interesting how I used those sites to sort of hone in on what it was about these mechanics uh, that I liked and maybe wanted to use and find out what other cards synergized with them. So EDHREC is an interesting site. What you can do is you can type in a card in EDHREC, and then it basically shows you the cards that other people are pairing with it in decks. So it works obviously for commanders. If you type in Yidris then it's going to tell you sort of the top cards in the Yidris deck mm-hmm. that other people are using. But you don't have to use it for commanders. You could use it for... You can also click on the card and it'll show you the top commanders that it goes in. It'll also show you the other cards that it's likely to appear in a deck with that aren't commanders. And this is actually something that I use quite a bit. So I'll use it with cards like Fabricate. But the problem is when we're talking about new mechanics, which we're specifically doing here, EDHREC doesn't have enough data yet because mm-hmm. nobody, they haven't been around for years and people haven't been brewing with it for years. And especially like the first week or two, there might not be any decks that are really using the new mechanics yet. And so you're in a situation where you're trying to figure out how to use these mechanics, but there's not a good roadmap. And what I like to do in this instance is find cards that are sort of similar or that are likely to bring up similar cards to synergize with it. So in this case, Ivory Tusk Fortress was one that I used with EDHREC. And when I put that into EDHREC, my thinking was, whatever cards pop up that are good with Ivory Tusk Fortress are probably going to have a likely uh, chance to be good with a Fabricate creature as well. And so that was a sort of... And, and you do this for a number of different cards. And so I thought it was interesting to just state like, oh, that was one of the ways that we were looking when we were evaluating Fabricate as to what other cards might work well with it. And, and you mm-hmm. have to disregard cards because like I'm looking at it right now and it says Doran, the Siege Tower. It's, it's not, you're not building a Doran deck, so you have to disregard that. But you're looking at the cards that pair well with Ivory Tux Fortress that you go, oh, that does work well with Fabricate. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you might find some hidden gems in there. Yeah, and the other option, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people use gatherer.wizards.com or magiccards.info. Um, this is a great way to do an advanced search, and it's a great way to like call the results so that you get what you want. So I'm on the website right now, and if I was like, hmm, I like the idea of creatures untapping each uh, untap step, or just or untapping with or having plus one plus one counter, so you can put in quotes something like untap each, and then just add that to the search criteria. You can choose what colors you want it in, what format what types, and then you search it, and then they'll show you all the different creatures. In fact, Ivory Tusk Fortress is the second result for something that says untap each. Um, so it's like it's a great way to sort of figure out, like, okay, I want cards that do this. Let's see other ones that are similar. And I'll do this for a number of ways. I'll make it really specific, broaden it a little bit, and just see what comes up and what sort of sparks my interest and my deck-building brain to go off. Yeah, for instance, for this, I might put in, just in quotation marks, each creature with plus one counter. Mm-hmm. and then just see what comes up. Because I just want to see what effects in Magic exist that affect creatures that have plus one, plus one counters on them, and that will bring up a whole bunch of cards that I can then sift through. But it, you know, you're just trying to narrow it, because there's 20,000 cards or whatever in the history of Magic. You can't look through all of those. You can narrow it down to 100 cards and look through that, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. All right, next mechanic. 
Revolt! Ether Revolt! Viva la revolution! Viva! So, Revolt is a new mechanic in Ether Revolt. Uh, they look back on the current turn and check to see if a permanent has left the battlefield under your control. Uh, oftentimes, this triggers when a creature enters or at the, at the beginning of your end step. So the creature can have died, it can have been exiled, flickered, bounced, or there could be a fetch land that got hit or an evolving wilds. So if you have satisfied this requirement of revolt, um, I guess it means like war or damage or something has happened. The idea it has to be something, well, something under your control. Sort of the the battlefield, one, yeah. yeah. And then the card will enhance it or modify it by adding a second ability or making the current ability on it stronger. So notably, Fatal Push is the big card that everyone's talking about. It kills a creature. Masters uh, of Modern Preview card. Yeah, yeah. I'm so proud of those guys. Yeah, Fatal Push uh, is one mana for it, or one black mana for an instant, and it says destroy target creature if it has converted mana cost two or less, but it has Revolt. So you destroy a creature um, with converted mana cost four or less, so it's four rather than two, mm -hmm. if a permanent you control left the battlefield this turn. So in modern, this is huge because you fetch land, yep. and now you have a one mana kill anything with four CMC or less spell, Yep, which is great for black. They just haven't had their... Path to Exile, Lightning Bolt equivalent until now. Yeah, and then there's also repeatable effects like Call for Unity or Aid from the Cowl. Both of these Ooh, check on the end cowl. step. And yeah, Aid from the Cowl can cheat out huge permanents. Uh, Call for Unity gives all your creatures plus one, plus one slowly over time. And then cards like Renegade Rallier, which brings a CMC2 card permanent from your graveyard to the battlefield. Two or less, yeah. Um, the so, great thing about uh, Renegade Rallier is, I think the greatest thing is that it gets the fetch land back. Yeah. So you fetch play Renegade Rallier, Revolt Triggers because you fetched, and then it brings the fetch land back out on the battlefield and ramps you. Yeah, one thing I wanted to do with this was Winter Orb, a card that you can sack and then play Renegade Rallier to bring back, sort of like have a control build around that. But yeah, again, very, very powerful mechanic so far. Uh, it's, I think it's really interesting. Um, the great thing about Revolt, immediately you know when you read it, is that it's going to synergize with a whole ton of stuff in the history of Magic because things leaving the battlefield is just something that happens all the time. Yeah, especially under your control, Specifically, I mean, if someone else's stuff gets removed, it's not going to trigger your own revolt. This is your revolt after all. Yep. But uh, this mechanic, as you wrote down, works really well with board wipes. Yep. That's so true because, you know, everyone gets hit by a board wipe and then you play a creature and get extra value out of it. You play a Renegade Rallyer and you get something else back. You know, like that's huge. Two for one and followed right before that you board wiped. Um, so what type of commanders will pair best with Revolt? So this is stuff like Prosh. Prosh is a token deck, but Prosh sacrifices the tokens. So mm -hmm. that will be Revolt. Rune. Rune flickers stuff out. So if you flicker something out, that left the battlefield. doesn't matter that it's going to come back. Uh, that would trigger Revolt. Brago, same thing. Gave. Another, gave. Wait, mm -hmm. Gave's coming a lot this episode. Gave's great. He's yeah. like one of the most... I mean, he's super combo heavy. Just read the card. It's nuts. Yeah, but makes tokens, gets... And then... Sacrifices the tokens, so Cresh uh, yep. is another one. Often Cresh is playing sort of edict effect stuff, and that's why Cresh uh, would be a good one because you're sacrificing your own creature, everybody else is sacrificing a creature, and then you play something that uh, triggers revolt. Yep, you've got Grimgrin, uh, my favorite blue-black dude that hits real hard and wants to sack creatures to himself. Yeheni. Uh, oh, Yeheni. A lot of people... Let's re let's let's refer to last episode. A lot of people mentioned that Yeheni they thought was way better than we gave it credit for. Yeah, so Yeheni Undying Partisan, two in the black for a two-two legendary creature, Etherborn Vampire with haste. Whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, put a plus one plus one counter on Yeheni Undying Partisan. Sacrifice another creature, Yeheni gains indestructible until end of turn. So two abilities here on top of haste. Um, yeah, people were saying you could play this, you know, give it haste, uh, or it lives through a board wipe. Um, 
I still am not a huge fan of this card. I think a lot of people were saying, you board wipe, you sack your own creature, Yehenny then gets indestructible and then grows huge because you board wiped. Listen, I think that's fine. I don't want to argue with the people that think that it's better than we thought. That's fine. Yeah. I, I hope you can prove me wrong, but it is interesting. Uh, and Yehenny works very well with Revolt because sacrificing your own creature to make Yehenny indestructible does make sort of turn on Revolt. Also, Etherborn evidently did not know this are genderless and are uh, referred to as they or them. So, oh, cool. Yeah, and he's not a he. They are made of them. pure ether, and they die. They live very short lives, unfortunately. They look sweet, though, and they have cool capes. Yeah, and they glow blue. Yeah. I like glowing. Vela, the nightclad, is another right. commander that works very well with Revolt, and for a different reason. Vela herself does not give you a way to trigger revolt, but the type of deck that's built around Vela will very often be able to trigger revolt. So Vela, the nightclad, four blue and a black, six mana total for a four, four legendary creature. Human wizard has intimidate. says other creatures you control have intimidate, but the really important text is whenever Vela or another creature you control leaves the battlefield, each opponent loses one life. Yeah, so not even dying. Uh, you can flick your stuff. Uh, you can find ways to bounce it to your hand. Uh, basically, it's it's a very powerful way to kill a lot of people if you're able to bounce a lot of stuff to your hand. And Revolt, again, will work very well with this deck because you're going to be throwing stuff out of the battlefield constantly. I like this one a lot. This is one you wrote down, and it shows you the way another way, another angle to think about uh, mechanics like this because Vela is a creature that you're just saying like, well, this deck already wants to do what Revolt wants to do. Mm -hmm. So when I draw my Revolt card, it's very likely that I can take full advantage of it because the deck's already built to get rid of my own stuff yep and there's also titania protector of argoth whenever a land you control is put into the graveyard from the battlefield you create a five three green elemental creature token so again this is like the fetch land that triggers revolt here titania already wants stuff going to the graveyard the revolt cards that you put into that deck are going to just be able to work a lot more because of that yeah those last two decks are just very likely you can just put the revolt card in and not change anything else about the deck and yeah. the revolt card will just work great um, so what are some old mechanics that work well with this new mechanic of Revolt? Well, the first one that came to mind for me was Morbid, because it's very similar. Mm -hmm. Now, Morbid says if a creature died this turn, then you get an additional effect. And it can be on either side of the yeah. board. But it's, it's definitely very similar in that you want stuff to be leaving. And generally, if you put Morbid into your deck, you're trying to control Morbid by being able to sack your own creatures and things like that. Yeah. Um, by the way, all the stuff that we say here kind of works with each other as well. Like, we put Edict Effects. That's a great way to trigger Morbid. Yep. Um, Blink which, and Flicker, Which tells too. you why it works. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. Blink and Flicker don't work as well, but again, this is just... These kind of decks work very well because things are constantly entering and leaving the battlefield. Exploit. I love this one. Uh, when you when you play a creature with exploit or something with exploit, you you can sacrifice another creature, and then you get an additional ability. Yeah, think of like Sidisi, uh, the the mono black one, Undead Vizier. Yeah, um, which is a tutor when you exploit, and then if you had a revolt card, then all of a sudden you get to tutor because you exploit the creature, and you get an additional effect because you sacrifice a creature. So yep. just the color black in general is really <laughs> good at sacrificing its own stuff. Yeah. Um, Evoke is another one you had on there, which is like Rebel Arc and Mole Drifter and things like that. Because you pay for its evoke cost, it does enter the battlefield and then leaves. And so you get the effect, and it's cheaper than just uh, paying for the creature's full cost. And now you've sort of turned on Revolt for that turn. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Um, what individual cards does the mechanic pair well with? So 
we sort of split this one into subcategories. So there's cards that can leave the battlefield with no help. They do it on their own. So like Eldrazi Spawn and Scion tokens, those yep. are great. You can sac them for mana, then it's a card that's, it's a permanent that's under your control that's left the battlefield, triggers revolt. Uh, oh, this is a cool one. Chromatic Star, yeah, this is, a lot of people use this to fix their mana, but it also essentially cycles itself. When it goes to the graveyard from the battlefield, you draw a card. So it's already a card that you might play if, you know, you're looking to uh, have an artifact-based deck or even or even just, like, have it in there to make sure that you always hit your colors on time because it's going to replace itself. Um, and it's the same with all of the spell bombs. Like, mm -hmm. the Aether Spell Bomb is a one that you can pay a mana to sack it and, and bounce something, you know, a creature and then it also when it goes to the graveyard you know you get to draw cards off of it so like all these cards are very powerful i think in a deck that wants to start abusing them especially if you can start recurring these as well then you're drawing lots of cards so you have an option for ether spell bomb you can either pay to sacrifice to draw a card or pay a blue to return the creature to its owner's hand so and you sacrifice it in both cases so either one you do will trigger revolt for yeah. you for that turn yeah and it's modal in a lot of ways too yeah so. uh knight of the reliquary is another one there's a lot of ways to abuse Night of the Reliquary. We're not getting into the combo-centric part of it, but Night of the Reliquary lets you sacrifice one of your force or planes, and then you search your library for a land card, and you put it onto the battlefield. Well, when you do that, you've sacrificed a uh, force or planes. It's gone to the graveyard. Night of the Reliquary is getting bigger when you do that. You're also replacing that card because you're putting another land onto the battlefield, and so you can just kind of trigger a revolt with Knight. Often a better land. Yeah, for free. Now, again, I'm not saying you try and put Knight of the Reliquary Tower into your deck because of Revolt. I'm saying if your deck already has Knight of the Reliquary, then Revolt cards are going to be pretty good for you. Like, Renegade Rallyer is the same color uh, as Knight of the Reliquary, so yeah. that type of deck that already has Knight of the Reliquary has a very good chance to be easily turning on Renegade Rallyer and things like yeah. that. Yeah, and Green-White are the two colors that Revolt is strategized around in Ether Revolt as well, so good times. So there's also cards that um, want things to leave the battlefield uh, in a similar way or want things to die. So they're sort of sort of like Vela, right? Where they, they want the same things that Revolt wants. Yeah, and this one's interesting. Outpost Siege, which is a, uh, I believe it's Fate Reforge, an enchantment that Mono Red can play to essentially draw an extra card each turn, has the ability to choose cons or dragons. And dragons is like the least chosen out of all of them. But it says whenever a creature you control leaves the battlefield, Outpost Siege deals one damage to target creature or player. So this card is, I think, very powerful in a deck that has a lot of that ability. In fact, I, I don't even know how many people know if you ask them what the second ability on I Outpost Siege I does. I literally didn't know until you put it on the list, and I was like, Outpost Siege? And I looked at it, I was like, oh, yeah. I yeah. forgot it does that second thing, because I've never, ever... Very similar to what yeah. Vela does. The uh, Aetherworks Marvel is four mana for an artifact. It's from Kaladesh. It's a legendary artifact, sorry. Whenever a permanent you control is put into a graveyard, you get an energy. So that right there super synergizes with Revolt, Vela, Outpost Siege, uh, the second the second choice, not the first. Um, and of course, Aether Revolt also has the added bonus of get... So you get a bunch of energy, and then you use the energy to cheat stuff out off the top of your deck. Also, yeah. uh, Aether... Or sorry, Aether Works Marvel. I said Aether Revolt. Aether Works Marvel probably just went down in price, I'm guessing, because of the Emrakul banning. So it might be a good time to pick it up. Yeah. Not to mention this card. It, it, you don't need to play a lot of energy cards for Aetherworks Marvel to work. If you just have a token, like I would have put this in the Prosh deck immediately, yeah. right? Yeah. Like there's so many decks that you can just slot this into it and knowing that you're going to get energy from permanence being put into the graveyard. You play a lot of board wipes, Aetherworks Marvel. Yep. Um, and then the last category is, uh, I should just use my paper here. I am keep looking at the screen. Cards that make things leave play or are only in decks where things are going to leave play. Right. So your things, I mean. So Skull Clamp, 
You don't put skull clamp in a deck unless you can utilize it, right? Yeah. So skull clamps usually in token decks are decks that make a lot of uh, small creatures. Those are decks that are often going to be having permanents leave the battlefield because they're going to utilize those tokens or small creatures in a way to either sacrifice them or just attack in mass amounts and people are going to have to block a few, but they can't block them all. All that kind of thing will trigger revolt very well. Yeah, and then there's cards like Spine of Ishsaw, which is going to be put into decks that can sacrifice artifacts because when it gets sacrificed, you return it from the graveyard to your hand. Uh, so, again, you want Spine to be thrown out of there. Also, they do it so that you can't recur it out of the graveyard a bunch, but, you know, this triggers Revolt. It's a deck that often will be throwing things to the graveyard. Yep. Um, so what did we look for on EDH Rec to sort of help us narrow down this stuff? Um, I put in Tragic Slip. Mm-hmm. Because my thinking was, if a deck has tragic slip in it, there's a good chance that it's feeling confident that it can make, you know, it's make creatures die. And usually that means you can make your own creatures die because right. you're not going to put tragic slip in a deck and rely on other people to somehow have their creatures <sighs> die. You're going to be like, I have edict effects, I have things that sack my own creatures, blah blah blah. And so that was something I looked up on EDH Rec to sort of give me some ideas for things that might work with Revolt. Yep, and on Gatherer, you can look up Sacrifice a Permanent or Whenever Leaves the Battlefield. Um, that, that That is a very rare. Like, Vila and Outpost Siege are two of the only cards that do it, but it is still a, a like, it's the power level is there, right? It's the same reason that Blood Artist and those cards are good. In Blood fact, Artist is out. another one you might look at on EDH Rec to see, like, because anything, if a Blood Artist is in the deck, then again, there's a good chance that that person, that, that deck is having its creatures leave the battlefield a lot. Yep. Yep. All right, vehicles is the next uh, sort of mechanic that is returning an Aether Revolt. These are artifacts that can turn into artifact creatures given that you pay the crew cost. The crew mechanic says crew X, tap any number of creatures you control total power X or more, and then this vehicle becomes an artifact creature until end of turn. It's as though someone jumps into something, turns on the power, and then jumps out of it, but they're tapped in the process of doing so. So if it was crew five, you have to you have to tap up to five mana in creatures, or five power in creatures. Here's the thing, though. You can crew a vehicle multiple times, so this means that you are able... And you able, can crew it for more. You can crew it for more, absolutely. So you want this for creatures that want to get tapped, want to be untapped, or can untap themselves. Um, in Kaladesh, there was Sky Sovereign console flagship, the Smuggler's Copter, which is now banned and standard. So if another you good are, card to pick up right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Vehicles are tough. They're not technically a mechanic, but they're close enough that we're considering them. They're tough to evaluate. There's not a ton of ob- obvious synergies, um, but there are some. And the more you start to think about it, the ups and downs of what vehicles do and accomplish on the battlefield, you can start to find where they might be good. So yeah. And this is the question I found myself asking myself, like, oh, these vehicles are sweet. Do I have any decks that would want to put them? It's just like, well, you could just play a bigger, cooler creature instead of one you have to crew every single turn. Obviously, they're powerful and limited and standard, but it's like, well, let's think a little further. What kind of commander or what kind of cards are they going to pair well with? King Makar was one that we talked about. Whenever King Makar becomes untapped, you get to just blow stuff up, essentially. Um, yeah, because the vehicles allow you to tap your creature without attacking, so you're not putting them in danger. It's actually, there's a lot of cards in Magic's history that want to become tapped and the way they sort of design them it's actually hard to tap them they don't have an ability that taps them and you don't want to swing in with something like king Makar because he's only a two three yeah so you're it's the inspired mechanic is, is a mechanic that pairs well um yeah you get to exile a creature every time it becomes untapped yeah so and yeah they get it like a gold artifact right where they yeah, can you can you can it's say, like a lotus it, petal. it ramps you as well so like it, king Makar. do you get it or do they get it I think you get it. Yeah, you you you, oh, yeah, you get you it. Get yeah. It. What's the card? There was one that uh, where they got it. It's like gilded. I don't know. Anyway, 
there's like a instant yeah. black yeah, instant yeah, yeah. where you excel anyway sorry but came a car again it was like man i'll never be able to use this card because i just swing it at anyone it's a four mana two three it's gonna die there's no way i'm gonna get all the way back to my turn and have it untap well now you can wait till the end step tap and crew a vehicle you have on the battlefield maybe that vehicle does something else for you as now it's a creature that's an artifact you know there's different ways to sort of sort of string these together but king makar all of a sudden got way better because of vehicles yep Dapala is obvious because Dapala actually says the word vehicles like multiple time in her text box so <laughs> yeah. that's a pretty easy one but Dapala also has Dapala wants to become tapped because when Dapala becomes tapped you can pay x and then you sort of get to sift through the top x cards of your library and you get all the dwarves and vehicles you find uh in there so Dapala draw um draws cards but only when she becomes tapped uh yeah this next one's really good it's phoenix god of deception yeah so, I, didn't, I didn't see this is crazy i like it so it's kind of like vela right yeah so phoenix is three blue and a black for um he's one of the gods from theros a four seven legendary uh enchantment creature god actually he's from born of the gods not theros sorry as long as your devotion to blue and black is less than seven phoenix isn't a creature standard fare creatures you control have tap Target player puts the top X cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard, where X is this creature's toughness. So, my headphones are falling off. So, um, like Vela, Phoenix is in a deck, and in, in that deck, or sorry, Phoenix is a deck, and in that deck, the creatures want to become tapped. A lot of right. them have the inspired mechanic or other things that say, when they become tapped, do something. And uh, Phoenix allows them to tap and mill your opponent, but then also have some other effects. So all of a sudden, vehicles might be a way in that deck to sort of double up on that type of effect that you already know you want. Yeah, and playing mill is such a hard thing to do in EDH. If you built a Phoenix deck, you're probably trying to abuse the tapping part of it more than anything else. I, I would say it's, it's one of the first sort of steps to get there. Uh, there's Derevi, who is uh, not a very popular commander for people because Derevi has flash essentially um from the command zone for one in bant and it can when it comes into the battlefield or deals combat damage you get to tap or untap a target permanent so derevi don't care about no commander tax nope yeah and and derevi taps and untaps stuff so all of a sudden you you can realize that in a deck like that there's a decent chance that you care about having things tapped yeah. or being able to untap stuff and all of a sudden that has a chance to sort of double up and work with vehicles in a, in a very similar way it's also a bird wizard so that's, you know, for all you bird You're wizard a fans. wizard, Derevi. You're a wizard and a bird, Derevi. <laughs> um, so let's talk about what old mechanics work well with the new mechanic of vehicles. Uh, one we mentioned already is Inspired. So yep. Inspired was from Born of the Gods and... Um, Theros. Journey into Nyx. I don't think it was in Theros. Oh, you're right. Yeah, it was Born of the Gods and Journey. Yeah. And so this just says when the creature when this creature becomes untapped... You do something. Sometimes you have to pay a little bit of mana. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes they make tokens. They draw cards. They have some kind of effect. Yeah, something like Daring Thief with that steals stuff and exchanges permanence that shares card types. Um, Inspired is something that I, you know, when it came out, I was like, oh, this is exciting for EDH. And it's like, ah, I'm never going to use it. Yeah, it's just there's not enough of it, right? So you need to find that perfect deck that has it. And, and maybe with enough things like vehicles and stuff, eventually we'll get there. Mm -hmm. We're probably not there yet. Yeah, not to mention, uh, my favorite, I just noticed this, Felhide Spirit Binder. Whenever this guy becomes untapped, you can pay one in a red to create a token that's a copy of another target creature, and then it gains haste. Uh, so you can crew a vehicle <laughs> with this guy. Oh, maybe not. 
I was trying to think of untapping him and then making the guy with it. Well, a deck that has vehicles and stuff might have ways to untap its creatures, in which case maybe you could do this a couple times. Yeah. yeah. So you get to like make a bunch of uh, like renegade freighters or whatever you're making and just crash in. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Um, the next sort of mechanic, I'll say, I'll put it in quotes on this one, that works well is the untap symbol. So it's not a mechanic, but it's a... It's sort of a mechanic, right? You don't see the untap symbol every set. It's not evergreen. But I don't think I've seen it in quite a they while. They haven't done it in a long time. But there are cards that untap. They, they, instead of the tap symbol, they have the untap symbol. So you, you pay some kind of cost, and then you untap the creature. Pilipala, mm -hmm. uh, Gilder Baron is one. Um, Order, Order of White, White Clay. Clay. Yeah. yeah. So those are a couple mechanics that work well with the, with the new mechanic of vehicles. And then we go to what individual cards does the mechanic pair well with? There's a card I really like, and I don't get to play it very often. It's Fallow Sage. Mm. It's three and a blue for a 2-2 Merfolk Wizard. It says, whenever a Fallow Sage becomes tapped, you may draw a card. So great with vehicles, right? Mm -hmm. Because you can just leave it there, and then on your end step, if you know nothing happens, you can always just crew the vehicle. Because if you crew the vehicle, you don't have to do anything with it. You just crew it. Yeah. It turns into a creature, so it's slightly more vulnerable. But if you're doing it on end step or whatever, or just instantly draw a card, it's great. Yep. You know? uh, there's also Hollow Sage. Whenever Hollow Sage becomes untapped, you may have target player discard the card. Ooh. Yeah, so it's the Brutal. inverse of Fallow Sage, right? Fallow Sage is tap, do something. Hollow Sage is untap, do something, but they both work with vehicles. Yeah. Uh, oh, I like this card, Quest for Renewal. Um, these cards are usually kind of tough to use, especially Quest for Renewal. It's whenever a creature you control becomes tapped, you can put a quest counter on it. And then as long as there are four or more quest counters on Quest for Renewal, untap all creatures you control during each other player's untap step. This card's very, very good because you're putting it in a deck where the creatures already want to tap. So mm -hmm. when they untap, you already are going to get usage out of them because you're going to tap them again. Think if you had a deck. Now, it couldn't be uh, front-lined by King Makar, but if King Makar was in the deck and all mm -hmm. of a sudden you have a vehicle, King Makar, quest for renewal, you're just going exile something every single turn of everybody else's. Super good. Super good. Um Oh, okay. I haven't, I haven't heard still... of so many of these cards, which is funny. Like Surge Spanner. <laughs> I found a lot of them through EDH Rec. So Surge Spanner is two blue blue for a Merfolk Wizard. Whenever it becomes uh, tapped, you can pay one in a blue. And if you do, return target permanent to its owner's hand. So, target permanent. Yep. So you just go boom. and, and Bounce a land. Yes. Ugh. If you can get into loops with something like Surge Spanner and a, and a vehicle and maybe a way to untap where you can just lock somebody out of the game by just bouncing two lands. Yeah. You just bounce two lands. What do they do? They play a land. Bounce two lands the next turn. What do they do? They play a land. Bounce two lands the next turn. Pretty soon, they just can't play. You know, so. Um, That's so rude. <laughs> so on EDH Rec, I looked up Fallow Sage and Hollow Sage because I figured any deck that has Fallow Sage and Hollow Sage in it are going to be playing around with the same things that vehicles maybe want you to play around with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then gather whenever becomes tapped or searching up whenever becomes untapped. Uh, or even you can, I think you can even find a way to look up the untapped symbol to find all the cards that use it as well. Yeah, vehicles are very interesting. Hard to build around, but definitely I think if used in the right shell can be pretty powerful. It just, it, you really need the synergy to be there. Otherwise, it just becomes a, okay, cool, you have a, a random creature that's a little bigger than normal. Yeah, exactly. There was one other thing I thought about with vehicles, and it was hard to encapsulate in our regular discussion here, so I'll just mention it, which is that vehicles aren't necessarily creatures all the time. And they're not creatures on your turn or they're not creatures on your opponent's turn. Mm -hmm. And so thinking of ways to abuse that is a good way to think about mechanics also. So maybe you use a ton of board wipes and you use the creature lands 
to crew the vehicles later. And so you can wipe off all the creatures, but your vehicles stay and your creature lands stay. And then you sort of turn them on and you've got a deck that is using creatures that aren't always creatures. And when they're not creatures, you're doing stuff like destroying all the creatures because that's basically not touching you. Yeah. Stuff like that maybe is a way to use them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Manlands pair very well <laughs> in this case because, yeah, they, they turn on when you decide that they become creatures. Um, all right. Next mechanic. Improvise. So improvise, it was introduced in Ether Revolt. Very exciting for us. It's a new alternative way to pay for mana for cards that have this keyword. Improvise reads, your artifacts can help cast this spell. Each artifact you tap after you're done activating mana abilities pays for one generic mana. The reason says after you activate mana abilities, you can't tap a soul ring and then tap it in response to cast like an instant speed improvise spell. You can't like double up the usage of, of a card like that. So it can only pay for generic mana. Um not the colors in the mana. So this is where it really... Yeah, not the diamond mana either. Yeah. This is where it differentiates a lot from Convoke, which is able to pay for the colored mana as well. However, it's still very powerful. Inspiring Statuary gives all of your non-artifact spells Convoke. Deck, I mean, Improvise. Deck, deck, yeah, imp Inspiring Statuary is really good. Yeah, especially in artifact theme decks. Uh, War of Invention is a tutor to onto the battlefield inspired uh, for X blue, blue, blue. And Herald of Anguish is a huge beater um, in the air. I can't wait to play that someday. Also a board wipe, right? Is uh, it, no, on. no, that's that's the other guy. Oh, I'm thinking of Demon of Dark Depths yeah. or whatever. Yeah, sorry. but Herald of Anguish is still very powerful. I mean, like it, the fact that you can just like potentially pop out a huge flyer very early and then oh yeah, this it is does. a yeah. So you, it's a sack outlet gotcha, gotcha. for artifacts, and it gives a creature minus two minus two. It's kind of similar. It does to like Brea. a bad Brea impersonation. Yeah, I would 100 percent put this in Brea though. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Improvise is really interesting because it, it, it can be evaluated a lot like um, Convoke, except for that it wants a lot of artifacts in your deck, mm -hmm. obviously, because they are the ones that you could sort of get extra value off of. Like, all of a sudden, you're tapping things that shouldn't be tapped for mana for mana, things like, I don't know, Spine of Isha and things like that. So. Right. Yeah, and a lot of times you'll have, like, an artifact out there that doesn't do anything, but all of a sudden inspire, or Improvise allows you to make them into little mana rocks, which is very powerful in the right deck. Mm -hmm. um, other similar cards, Convoke, again, this started in Selesnya from the original Ravnica. Court of Calling is the iconic sort of card that fetches a creature out for you at instant speed, and you can Convoke it out. It's very, very powerful. Chief Engineer gives um, other non-creature spells, I believe, Convoke. Or is it gives your creature spells convoke? Ar no, I'm sorry. Artifact spells. Artifact spells you yeah. cast have convoke. He's an engineer, of course, Jimmy. But uh, um, <laughs> also, you play that card like every hey, every deck. You, you know, own. maybe I don't. Uh, <laughs> I've seen it on the table on your side of the board like uh, approximately a million times. <laughs> approximately, I'm like, I, I'm like, do you just get that turn too? Like every game, is there like some special rule I don't know about? Yeah, I cheat. Um, <laughs> Obelisk of Erd is also an artifact with convoke. Um, sometimes you just pay zero to get this out there, and it gives all creatures you chose of a creature type plus two plus too so very good in like goblin decks or, or tribal decks with a lot of merfolks goblins whatever uh yep um is delve like yeah it's a, it's a way to cheat stuff out far earlier than you're allowed to i think in the same way that you can tap you know like imagine if you're tapping the cards in your graveyard for mana except when you tap them they're gone forever interesting so delve it Sorry, I shouldn't have whispered it. But Delve, we had listed here as something similar. Dig Through Time, Treasure Cruise, cards that, yeah, they're sort of using an alternate thing to reduce the mana cost, I guess. So that's similar to Improvise. Yeah. Let's talk about what type of commander the Improvise mechanic pairs well with. Obviously, Brea, Ethereum Shaper. This card is just uh, insane still, I believe, because Brea herself is an artifact. So you, once you cast her, if you have a card with Improvise, Brea herself gives you three additional mana. Pretty Brea. good. <laughs> and, and Brea, because she deals with artifacts, 
then you just know that deck's got a ton of artifacts in it. And having yeah. a ton of artifacts is really conducive to improvise because you're going to be able to use the improvise card, you know, because you're going to have a lot of artifacts lying around, like mm -hmm. the Thopters and Brea herself. So if you cast Brea, the next turn you could technically cast like possibly an eight drop artifact or imp improvise card because you could tap Brea, you could tap um, uh, the two Thopters and then your lands and yeah. you could play that improvise card. So War of Invention is the big one here, yeah. really. Just being able to fetch out something huge because Brea gives you another three mana to, to pay into the X blue, blue, blue cast casting cost. Um, other commanders. So all the commanders are going to be, this one's sort of not that exciting because it's it's what you think, but it's going to be like Duretti, Sharoom, Sidri, the artifact commanders, the artifact decks yeah. that are very heavy involved in not just having artifacts, but recurring them and reusing them. So you know the deck's going to be like v very weighted in terms of the amount of artifacts it has. It also is interesting because those decks already want to ramp out a bunch, and this is just another way to ramp out and completely synergizes with the deck is already a card you'd put in the deck. So it's such an easy slot into there that obviously anytime you can cheat mana cost, it's very, very good. So some old mechanics that maybe work with the new mechanic. These are going to sound, uh, we've talked about them already, but Metalcraft mm -hmm. is one. Affinity is another big one. So those mechanics are just going to have a really good chance to, if you have improvised, you probably got some Affinity cards and Metalcraft cards in there. Yeah. In fact, I, I want to see if War of Invention makes it into older formats because it throws stuff onto the battlefield and hey if you're playing mono blue or whatever it's really easy to it's pay the kind blue, of blue, blue cost. of calling for artifact right yeah you can't pay for the blue 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 part yeah. of it but it is instant speed and it is powerful we um, should read or of invention i don't think we we did last uh, episode obviously it's blue 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 and x it's an instant it has improvised so you can use your artifacts to help cast the spell search your library for an artifacts card with converted mana cost x or less put it onto the battlefield then shuffle your library so like you said um, it's Court of Calling, but you are going to have to have three blue mana. And then the X, though, can be paid with the by tapping your artifact. I mean, that's why yeah. this card is good, though. It's, let's say you do have three blue sources, and you want to tap them, but at the same time, it's like, oh, I want to pay the X spell as well. It's like, I can't use my blue sources to pay four X because it's going to get rid of the three I need. So your artifacts help fill out the harder, you know, another part of the spell, and you can sort of keep that colored mana around. Well, and also a deck that ha can improvise the card well probably has a lot of artifacts in it, which means that the artifact you go get is likely to be awesome because yeah. you have the choice of a lot of different ones. Although I think that card's so good, I, I would put it in a lot of decks. Yeah, so. Even without a lot of uh, artifacts in it. Yep. Uh, so what are some individual cards that pair well with uh, the improvised mechanic? So a lot of the normal artifact stuff, things like Scour Glass is a really good one. It's just a one-sided board wipe that you just know, you, you're just not putting a card with improvise in your deck if you don't have a lot of artifacts. So... Uh, yeah, Ether Swarm Canonist is is another good one that just says each player who cast a non artifact spell this turn can't cast additional non artifact spells. So they get one spell unless they're casting artifacts. Yeah, you've got Unwinding Clock, which untaps all artifacts you have during each other player's untap step. Key to the City, which uh, when it becomes untapped, you can pay two mana to draw a card. Um, so you tap Key to the City as a mana source with Improvise, and then it's going to untap now. Yeah, because usually uh, Key to the City, you have to tap it, discard a card, and then up to one target creature can't. Uh, be blocked to this turn, which is just not that good because you're losing a card for not a great effect. But once in a while, you might want that. But now if you have Improvise in your deck, if you had enough of it, you could all of a sudden use Key to the City as like a also card draw engine. Yeah, and it's a, kind of a mana rock with enough Improvise. Also, sometimes if you're playing Reanimator or playing something like Duretti, you want to throw an artifact into the graveyard to, to recur it out. 
So key of the city kind of works a, a double time in that in that regard. This one was easy on EDH Rec. You just kind of look at Brea or yeah. Duretti or you know a lot of the big artifact generals because they're going to have most of the big artifact cards in them and they'll they'll give you a nice good list of stuff that you want <laughs> yeah uh, on gatherer you can look up whenever it becomes tapped you can spe- specify it to be artifacts only uh, you can also look up cards that may recur artifacts or have other ways to make your artifacts more useful so like uh, blasting station and salvaging station are two amazing cards that work very well with this because you can use your artifacts to tap for mana when you're done with them you use the station to like throw them into the graveyard get them back and use them again as mana so there's lots of different ways artifacts i think are probably one of the easiest ways to make a deck broken in commander just because there's so many and they work like you don't you're not color restricted in the same way so if if you can use if there is one broken artifact combo then anybody can use it yep um Something that's interesting is this idea of tapping the artifacts and them being tapped. And so maybe you can tap artifacts in a way that they would you'd have trouble otherwise. So like we know Winter Orb is a is right. a, an artifact that you want to have tapped on the end step before your turn so that you get to untap your stuff and nobody else does. Well, there's probably ways to set up. Now improvise won't get you there alone. But if you have inspiring statuary and you also have Vidalkin Orrery out, now all of a sudden you can at instant speed maybe tap your Winter Orb to get it tapped, you know, and you're mm-hmm. casting a spell. It's convoluted, but those are things I might think about because there's often little ways in there where it's like, well, it only costs me one card to just have this in my deck. Yeah. And then I can sometimes pull off these things and my whole deck's not about that. But if I ever get that out, then all of a sudden I can ha- be really in control of the game in, in that kind of way. Howling Mine is another one where if it's tapped, uh, the other people don't get to draw the card. So maybe you can take advantage of that, those type of things. Yeah. I, would, I would think about it anyway. Combine them all together, put vehicles in your deck, and then make your artifacts into creatures and then with t- March of the Machines, and then tap them. Uh, put Tezzeret's Touch on them, and you carve me through a vault. It's convoluted, but it's going to work. This deck's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right, the, the last mechanic from Kaladesh and Ether Revolt that we're talking about on this episode is the energy mechanic. So Energy. So energy is back in Ether Revolt, um, so it's in both sets in the block. If you don't know what it is, energy is a new type of resource. So cards will give you energy either when they come into the battlefield or sometimes they have a stipulation like Ether Works Marvel. Whenever a, a permanent goes to the graveyard, then you get an energy. There's all kinds of... Sometimes it's like when you attack, get an energy. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different ways, but you accumulate energy, you keep track of it separately, and it just stays there until you use it. So it doesn't go away as the phases or the turns change. And then you just spend it uh, however cards tell you you can spend it. Sort of similar to mana. Yep. The noodle, and, the, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it's notable because you can increase it with proliferate and you can abuse cards that say put another counter on a player or that yep. they already have. So that usually that was like, oh, infect back in the day. But in this case, now you have experience counters, you have energy. So there's lots of different ways to manipulate that. The notable cards are Etherworks Marvel, which we talked about, <sighs> Demon yeah. of Dark Schemes. That's the one I was uh, getting yeah. confused with. It's sort of a massacre worm with energy bringing mm-hmm. stuff back it's pretty cool uh lightning runners one of the new ones this is an extra combat phase energy yeah one this is the one when you attack you get energy counters uh consulate surveillance this is a very josh card once you have enough energy you can just uh prevent all the damage from that's a, being dealt from to a, you yeah from a specific card yep uh whirler virtuoso makes thopters for a certain amount of energy but it doesn't require tapping of the creature so if mm-hmm. you can find ways to create tons of energy you could make tons of thopters um Energy's in a pretty tough spot because it's new and there hasn't been a lot of it. 
Yeah. So I think the big... Similar to vehicles and, and yeah. even improvised. In fact, all these mechanics are in that tough spot because that's why we're doing this show. Because <laughs> you're trying to figure out how to utilize them. These are cards you have, especially if you've just come to the game in the last couple of years, which a lot of our listeners have. And you're trying to figure out how to use these mechanics, but it's tough because there's not a critical mass of them. Now, something like Revolt is a lot easier because there is a critical mass of things that allow you to have your stuff leave in the battlefield a lot. Right. But energy is really specific, and it's hard to use. Uh, and it's hard to find enough payoffs. It's hard to make sure that you always have enough energy. But I think you can still do it in certain cases. And so... Yeah, totally. Yeah. And again, Aetherworks Marvel is the complete package. It generates its own energy, and you can use it to do some destructive things. Yep. But, you know, if you're looking for cards that say whenever a counter is placed... Uh, then you can double up the energy you get. I think Whirler Virtuoso is also a great card because you get to make creatures out of it. You have like Era of Innovation as well, which whenever an artifact or artificer enters the battlefield, you can pay one to get two energy. So you have ways of generating a lot of it. You just have to find ways to use it. So You just don't want to be in a situation where you draw the energy card and you're like, oh man, unless I get two other cards, this does nothing. You yeah. just you want that card to still work on its own. That's why Aetherworks Marvel is so good. And Demon of Dark Schemes too. Yeah, because they do a thing and then they have you know, sort of incidental additional value later if you happen to generate more energy, but you don't have to. Etherworks Marvel is just like, that's the thing that it wants to happen is gonna happen throughout the game, so mm -hmm. you're gonna eventually be able to use it a couple times. Um, so the more specific stuff is harder to use. Yeah. So Commanders is gonna pair well with, obviously, Atraxo, everyone's new favorite from the uh, pre-cons this year because she proliferates at the end of your turn. That um, would add an energy counter if you have one. Uh-huh. Um... I like this. Any of the experienced counter commanders, because you're already going to be proliferating potentially or doing things that uh, abuse the energy mechanic. Yeah, not all of them will, but some of them will. So those are at least candidates. Voral of the Hulklade, which sort of doubles uh, counters on stuff, is another one that I would look at because, again, it's playing around with counters and there's a possibility that you know, one of your energy cards or a few may interact with what you're already doing in that deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some old mechanics that work well with this new mechanic? Proliferate, we already said. Yep. Um, there's cross synergy with plus one, plus one counter stuff. So like Evolve. Um, also Planeswalker decks, a lot of times, because they have pro Proliferate already, uh, are a decent candidate. Infect decks, again, oh, yeah. because they have Proliferate already. Yeah, you really have to just find the way to use energy. And this is when I was making a new deck for game nights. I was, I was, I had like six or seven energy cards, and I very slowly started to cut them down until I was like, well, you know what? I just there's no synergy left because I couldn't find a way to utilize it within the deck. So you really have to work with synergy here. Otherwise, it just feels like sort of like a the forgotten brother of mechanics in your deck. And and it, and it often happens like that where you're like, oh, I like these four or five cards with this mechanic. But the problem is, unless I can put all of them in, mm -hmm. then none of them can go in. Because if I don't have enough payoff or reason to use one, then I probably don't have it to use. Then that lessens the likelihood I can even use the other four or whatever. Because yeah. now all of a sudden I'm taking away one of the cards that might possibly synergize with those other cards. So, mm -hmm. um, Oh, charge counters was another thing. Again, this is just a thing that exists. And if, you're t if you've got a deck that's taking advantage of charge counters, there's an okay chance that it might also be able to utilize uh, energy in some way. Yeah. Individual cards, this pairs well with um, Inexorable, Titan, Contagion, Engine are two of the proliferate cards that make you proliferate a lot. Obviously, Doubling Season and Primal Vigor as well. I mean, in that case, usually when you play Doubling Season, an energy card's not going to have you win the game. But Aetherworks Marvel becomes amazing in that case, right? Yep. Um, uh, animation Module. This is an energy card, but it, it, it takes advantage of when you sort of get energy in. It also... It also double, or it also does it double? It adds uh, counters. Yeah, yeah. So, 
those are those are good ones. Um, possible cross synergy with like Gilderbaron and uh, Winding Constrictor. Again, these don't deal directly necessarily with energy counters. They just deal with things that the deck that has energy counters might also deal with, if that yeah. makes sense. It's a really tough one to build around, honestly. Yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, I'm trying to build a Rafik deck that uses energy because you're always so mana hungry in the deck. It'll be nice to potentially have another way to spend. Yeah, I can suddenly do all this stuff I wouldn't be able to do because I can use my energy. Energy turn. instead yeah. of my mana, yeah. I like make that. my Bristling Hydra really big. Hard to do, though. Yeah. I'm sure that I'm going to get killed by it in some upcoming game nights, though. Well, if you play a board wipe, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> um, then this is interesting. You had stacks written down, so like Smoke Stacks and Tanglewire, and I was interested why that you know if you're going to be manipulating counters already smokestack and tangle wire are two cards that really Have like counters, yeah, yeah and and like that's a much more of a mathematical game trying to figure out how many counters you want on either of them and at the end of the day too if everyone sacked everything and you have a bunch of energy and ways to use it then you're in a much better position because you have this additional resource in the same way that casting mizics with a bunch of experience counters is great because it's as though your mana just got tripled right you know? i like it i like it yeah you're going to already be sort of doing all that accounting with with counters and cards that allow you to do that. And so this is another way to, to sort of abuse that idea. Mm -hmm. So for EDH rec, um, what we looked for, this is an interesting one. So I, first thing was, uh, the experience counter commanders. Now, just because I put in each one of them and look through and just look for the cards that are dealing with the experience counters, because mm -hmm. most of those cards will also synergize with energy counters. And then I also looked at Lux cannon. Oh, good one. Just because a deck that has Lux Cannon, now a lot of them are artifact decks, but some are sort of messing around with counters also, uh, so that had a chance to just find me some cards that would interact with Lux Cannon because yeah. it's charge counters, and so a lot of decks that have Lux Cannon are looking to abuse charge counters. Well, stuff that messes with charge counters has a chance to mess with energy counters, right. and so that's why I put it in the EDH rec as just sort of another angle to look at. Yep. Uh, gatherer you're going to look up counter on target player just the keyword proliferate yep uh yeah so sort of that sort of stuff um but again energy i think out of all of these is the hardest to really incorporate in a meaningful way because the best fully you might be able fully, to fill yeah either works marvel in but as far as like having an energy sub theme tough vehicles is tough too yeah i agree all right well that wraps it up for our new main topic uh to the listeners what did we miss in terms of old school comparisons now we covered a lot of them but i'm sure I mean, I, I stopped. I started playing again in Journey into Nick, so there's a huge chunk of magic that I've missed out on that I just don't know any of the mechanics from or are not familiar with. So I'm sure there's something else out there. Make sure you guys let us know uh, by tweeting at us, posting on the comments. What's your favorite us. new mechanic from the Kaladesh block? So either Aether Revolt mm -hmm. or uh, Kaladesh. And, you know, of those me the mechanics we talked about today, what do you think has the best chance of being the most powerful, like, farther down the line like someday are we going to look back and be like oh revolt that was the one or that is it improvise or it could be energy because all they got to do is <laughs> is do that for another block and all of a sudden we have so many energy cards yeah who knows who knows who knows but make sure what i do know <laughs> is that you should visit cardkingdom.com slash command zone they are the sponsors of the show they help keep the lights on around here we're super grateful to them they're also awesome about shipping your cards as fast as humanly possible when you order them i think it's probably a good time if you haven't already to get those paradox engines oh yeah emrakul smuggler's copter both i'm sure have dropped in price because of the bannings so the snag them get them now 
Embercool is probably not going to be much lower than it is now, especially if Frontier mm-hmm. keeps blowing up the way it is. It could go right back up. If you find some use in Modern, it could go back up. Yeah. Another yeah. card that's interesting right now is Panharmonicon. We don't know if it's oh. going to make a splash as a deck in the next Pro Tour. So there is a period right now where it's either going to stay pretty low or shoot up, depending on what happens at Ether Revolt Pro Tour. I mean, it's not probably going to go a lot lower than it is now. Yeah. So it probably only has up to go. So Panharmonicon is a card you want at least, you know, at least one of. It's just a very powerful EDH card. So Yep. Something to check out. Order those on cardteam.com slash command zone. Support the show. All right. Now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. I got one. Oh, cool. I was like, I got one too, but I was. Oh, I, you I have looked, one. I was looked over. I was like, does Josh have? You one? gave me the I don't have one look. So. Oh, oh, I thought you were giving me the I don't have one look, and I was double checking to make sure. I mean, mine's it. not amazing. It's not. It's not ground, but it's oysters. <laughs> Because you I, had a lot this weekend. It was man. Josh's birthday, by the way, this last weekend. Oh yes, yes, it was. Happy um, birthday, Josh! Thank you. Um, yeah, and I've rec- I've always liked oysters, but we've recently sort of gotten more into them, mm-hmm. and we sort of. I didn't really know how to shuck an oyster until recently, and I learned oh, okay. how to do that, and then all of a sudden that just opened the door because they're just way cheaper when you shuck them yourself. Yeah, and you sort of go find. Anyway, oysters. If you haven't tried an oyster, I know some people have an aversion to them, but they're amazing and delicious. That's really all I have to say about that is that I really like oysters, but that's a cool thing outside the world of magic. Some people don't like seafood, and I think yeah. oysters are around the edge of too fishy or too oceany, like because they taste like they're salt water. They're definitely briny. Yeah, yeah, briny. That's the word. Yeah. Um, I think they're wonderful. You can put hot sauce on them, so I'm a fan. Heck yeah. <laughs> you can squeeze a lemon over it. Um, if you haven't ventured into seafood, maybe the end sub is just seafood. I think the best way to start is not oysters not oysters <laughs> try going to like sushi honestly like some sushi uh, and get a like a, a roll covered in sauces with some raw fish inside and get see like uh, tuna yeah tuna or salmon i think is very app- uh, appetizable uh amenable for a lot of people that may not like the fishier sort of st- tastes but yeah i think seafood is one of the healthiest ways you can eat as well not to mention it's one of our most renewable resources in terms of like food and the ocean is huge with a lot of fish in there so although hopefully there's, although there's plenty of stuff in the ocean that we're killing off so let's be yeah, careful about that yeah well, we'll be careful yeah. tuna's <laughs> also kind of on the out but but fish again i think are very healthy in general it's got a lot of good stuff for you people take fish oils all the time for health oh yeah so. omega-3s are great for you you, yeah. you need that stuff anyway and if you're not eating seafood just take the pills it's good for your heart um yeah seafood i like that but yeah. oysters if you haven't tried an oyster before and you generally like seafood give it a shot really good I might. I, I, there's a seafood market sort of between your house and mine. And so I just made the plan just now to stop and buy oysters on the way home. Oh, boy. <laughs> Something else you should plan to do is to listen to the Masters of Modern podcast. Alex Kessler, Ben Bateman, they talk about the modern format and all things competitive magic. They're really on a roll lately, oh, especially yeah. because Fatal Push is like making a huge splash in modern. Were you saying it was like a couple bucks already? Yeah, it's it's, it's rising an uncommon. In price. It's an it's a cross format staple already. Pretty sweet. Uh, proud of those guys. They're doing really well. So make sure to check them out. They are right next to us on Collected Company, which is our new Magic Hub. You can also find them on Twitter 
at the MM cast. Our editor for the show is Terry Robertson. Woo! Woo! He does a great job, again, with the video podcast. You can see all the cards we're talking about, and you can read them on the screen. Really great for set reviews. Great for a show like this one as well. So make sure you check that out. YouTube.com slash the Command Zone podcast. And each of those videos is adorned with the Living Card animations from Jeffrey Palmer. You can find him on Twitter at LivingCardsMTG. Without these guys, without our patrons, without you all watching us on YouTubes and across the internet, we wouldn't exist. So, of course, thank you all as well for always supporting the show. Here's looking at you guys. Yeah. Make sure to join that Patreon. Man, I keep hitting the mic. Make sure you join... Make sure to join that patron if you want a chance at the new playmat. Yes. It only took me three tries to get that out. It's coming soon. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.